Welcome to Keep the Faith with Adam Burton, where wisdom meets wonder and faith is our guide. Today, Pastor Adam Burton of Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky, invites us on a transformative journey with his sermon, The Holy Standard. In a world where every household's rules reflect its character, we turn our gaze to the ultimate household of faith and its divine rules. Pastor Adam will guide us through the Ten Commandments, revealing them as a mirror of God's majesty and a measure of our morality. We'll see how these ancient words are not mere decrees, but invitations to embody the very heart of God in our daily lives. Prepare to delve into the essence of God's law, to confront our imperfections, and to discover the grace that meets us in our need. Let's open our hearts to the sacred echoes of Exodus and find our reflection in the holy standard. Have you ever noticed how the rules in a household that reflect the character and the values of a family. Let me paint a picture for you. One that maybe that might strike a little familiar chord with you. Uh, picture a young boy. Well, we'll call him Tommy. Uh, Tommy's parents have rules in their house. And Tommy, with all of the eagerness as a, a young child, tries his best to follow them. But these rules, you see, they're more than just a list of things that his mom put on the refrigerator door. Each rule is a stroke in the portrait of his parents' values in their character. One evening, Tommy's mom bakes a batch of delicious chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> the aroma fills the house like a, like a warm hug. And she tells Tommy, now, Tommy, these are for the bake sale tomorrow. Don't you eat any of these cookies. But in Tommy's eyes, they, they glisten with desire, but, but he nods because that's what good boys do. Now imagine the scene, though. The, the kitchen is quiet. The cookies? Oh, a delightful temptation. So Tommy enters in, and he's wrestling, though, with the rule that his mom told him. In that moment, it's not just about the cookies, is it? It's about trust. It's about respect and love for his parents. It's about reflecting their character in his choices. You know, that, my friends, is, is a glimpse into what we're unpacking today. For God's laws, like those household rules, are reflections of his divine character. They invite us into a relationship that goes beyond mere obedience for they call us to align our lives with the very heart of God. So let's read together from the book of Exodus, a very familiar chapter, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love 
to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but in the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. As we delve into these sacred words, I want us to open our hearts to what God is speaking to us today. And we're going to begin with our, our first point, the mirror of majesty. The mirror of uh, majesty. As we, we stand before the, the towering majesty of these Ten Commandments that were given to Moses directly by God on these stone tablets there at Mount Sinai, it's essential, though, for us to, to recognize that we are not just looking at a list of do's and don'ts, but instead we're looking into a mirror that reflects God's character. And while we don't have time today to, to delve into each of these commandments in detail, I do want to maybe share a personal story that can, can illustrate the essence of, of these divine directives. You know, you know, when I was a child, uh, my dad, we would often uh, take me down to the little country store right down the road from our, our house where we, we lived. And one day I was excited to, to get a, a sun drop from the soda machine outside the store. Anybody ever had a, a sun drop before? We got a, got a few. Uh, well, dad, he gave me 50 cents and I, I take those quarters and I put them into that, that machine. And to my surprise, when I put that money in, well, a can pops out, and then another can pops out. I tell you, I felt like I had hit the jackpot. But then, oh, then Dad asked me. He said, son, what's the right thing to do? Should you keep the second can or should you give it back? He inquired. I mean, honestly, if Dad hadn't have been there, I probably would have kept both cans thinking, hey, it's just lucky. <laughs> but then dad guided me through some questions. He asked me, Wait, how much does one of those cans cost? And I said, well, 50 cents. Well, is that 50 for two or 50 for just one? And then he says, well, did the owner of the store intend for you to get two for only one price? Or even do you deserve to have two of these cans? And then again, he asked me, what's the right thing to do? 
Well, I'd say at that time with his guidance and a heart that was beginning to understand, I, I said, well, I'll probably need to take that second can in and give it to the owner. You know, that simple act reflects the commandment, you shall not steal, which at its core right, embodies God's justice and respect for individual rights and property. And in that moment, my choice wasn't, it wasn't just about soda cans. It was about mirroring God's justice and integrity in our actions. And similarly, consider the commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This reflects God's commitment to truth and honesty. You know, in our daily lives, when we face moments where you know, that little white lie can make things easier, choosing truth is choosing to mirror God's character, even when it's inconvenient. You know, both of these scenarios, the choices we, we make are not just about our moral standing. No, they're about our trust in God. For when we disobey, we not only act untrustworthily, but we also tarnish the reflection of God's holiness in our lives. You know, the apostle Peter captures this beautifully in 1 Peter 1, 16, where he echoes God's words, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Our actions, our choices, they, our lives are to be a mirror of God's majestic character. And for every time we align our actions with God's commandments, we're not just following the rules, but we are actively participating in the divine dance of reflecting God's character. Which brings us to our second point, the measure of morality, the measure of morality. You know, as we consider these Ten Commandments, it's crucial that we see them more than just ancient words, although they are ever true. They are, in essence, a, a divine measure of morality. They're a benchmark for holiness in our conduct. But, but how is it that we measure up against this holy standard? Imagine an archer preparing to, to, to shoot an arrow at, at a target. The bullseye he's aiming at represents God's perfect standard as outlined in his law. And so the archer, he pulls back the string, aims, and releases the arrow. It flies, but, but then it veers off and it misses the bullseye, landing somewhere on outside the rings. This is what sin is like. It's actually an archery term that means missing the mark. So every time that we stray from God's commandments, we miss the mark of God's holy standard. Now, picture yourself as the archer. Each day represents opportunities to, to hit the mark or to miss it. Perhaps it's in the words that we speak or maybe in the decisions we make or in how we treat others. You know, God's law serves as that target, showing us the standard of his holiness that we are called to do, but let's be honest, no matter how hard we try, we all miss the mark sometimes. We all fall short of God's perfect standard. 
Now, this realization isn't meant to discourage us, but instead it's to humble us and to point us toward the need for grace. It's a reminder that our righteousness isn't based on our ability to perfectly hit that bullseye every time, but it's on the grace and mercy of God. The psalmist understood this when he he wrote, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You know, in our contemporary world where the the moral relativism kind of blurs the lines of right and wrong, God's law stands as an unchanging beacon of truth. It challenges us, right, to rise above the societal norms, to align ourselves with God's divine standards. But we know in this pursuit, we, we discover our limitations, our inability to perfectly uphold his law. This is where the beauty of the gospel shines the brightest. As Paul eloquently states, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe, for there is no distinction. As we reflect on God's law as our moral benchmark, let us acknowledge our shortcomings, not with despair, but with a heart that seeks forgiveness and strives to align more closely with God's holy standard. And let's remember, in our attempts to to hit the mark, that God's grace is always there to catch us when we fall. In a world that's constantly shifting, oh, let us hold fast to the eternal truth of God's law, allowing it to guide us and to shape us into the image of Christ. Which brings us to the third point, unveiled unholiness. Unveiled unholiness. You know, these Ten Commandments, while reflecting God's character, also serve as another purpose. They unveil our own unholiness. The law is like a mirror that reveals every every blemish every imperfection in our character and our actions. And I remember the weight of this realization as an eight-year-old. You know, many children come to know Christ around that time between eight and ten years old. I believe that's because it's kind of around that age where we we really start to, to see the conviction of our sins. We also been around long enough to realize the hopelessness of trying to be perfect. You see, I was a perfectionist. Every failure, whether it wasn't getting that perfect score on a test that I tried hard to study for, or losing a ball game that you should have won, they were devastating. You feel the guilt, the lack of self-worth. It can be overwhelming. Some of us, we we try even harder to achieve that perfection, setting ourselves up for an inevitable disappointment. 
But for me, it reached at that point where anxiety would keep me up at night. But in the midst of this struggle, my parents shared a profound truth that no matter how hard I tried, I would never be perfect. You know, there will always be someone who gets better grades, someone who's a better athlete, or somebody that just seems to have it all together, right? But my worth shouldn't be defined by comparison to others. Instead, God's law is that standard that we live by. And to be honest, though, that realization was daunting. Because how could I ever measure up to God's perfection? But then, they unveiled the beauty of the gospel. For although I couldn't uphold God's law perfectly, God, in his immense love, sent his only son, Jesus, who was perfect, to pay the price for my sins. He bore the weight of my imperfections on the cross, liberating me from these shackles and self-reliance. Apostle Paul captures this sentiment in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, saying, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. You see, the law was there to guide us, to show us our need for a Savior, not to condemn us. So as we reflect on God, the law's purpose, I, I want to ask you, have you ever felt the weight of trying to be perfect? Have you ever tried to rely on your own strength only to find yourself falling short? This is the law's purpose, to reveal our need for a Savior and to show us our utter dependence on God's grace, which brings us to our fourth point, embracing grace. Embracing grace. You know, in light of God's law, we've seen our unholiness unveiled, our imperfections just laid bare. But here's the beautiful truth. In our inability to meet God's holy standard, that's where Jesus steps in. He meets our need with his grace. Continuing from my world left the personal story, even after coming to know Christ, so at the age of eight, uh, my struggle with perfectionism didn't just magically disappear. There's still nights of worry, days of striving for that unattainable perfection, but in these moments, find truth in the hope of the gospel. Find comfort in the grace of Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, in my weakness, in my inability 
to be perfect. Christ's power and grace, that's where it shines the brightest. It's embracing this grace where we find true freedom. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And in him, the perfect standard of God's law is met. And so through his life, his death and his resurrection, Jesus offers us a righteousness that we could never achieve on our own. And he invites us to lay down our burdens and to, of striving and to rest in his perfect work. Let's pause and consider this for a moment. In our daily lives, how often do we find ourselves burdened by being better, by striving for that perfection? How frequently do we feel weighed down by our own shortcomings and our failures? See, Jesus' invitation to embrace his grace, it's not just a one-time offer. It's an ongoing call to live in the freedom that he provides. So today, if you are weary from trying to be perfect, from carrying the weight of your imperfections, hear this, Jesus meets you in your need. His grace is sufficient. And it's time to let go of this pursuit of perfection and to embrace the grace and freedom that Jesus offers. The world tells us that we need to find comfort in our imperfections, but that's not what the Bible teaches. It's about allowing God's grace to transform us. It's about living in a way that reflects the grace that we have received. And so as we learn to lean on Jesus, oh, we find that in his strength, it's made perfect in our weakness. And our lives become the testimonies of his grace, not monuments of our own achievements. As we move forward, oh, let's hold this truth close to our hearts, that our journey of faith isn't about attaining perfection through our efforts. It's about resting in the perfect love and grace of Jesus. Oh, it's about allowing his grace to transform us day by day by day into his likeness. So let's walk forward, not in the despair of our perfection, imperfections, but in the hope and freedom of Christ's perfect grace. Ask for musicians to come forward at this time. Now, as we reflect on, on the holiness of God, the standard of his law, and the mirror that, that it holds up to our own lives, you know, we're confronted with a profound truth. We fall short. We know it. We know it in our mind, but sometimes we struggle with it in our hearts. We fall short. 
But in this realization, oh, there is incredible hope. Because it's in our shortcomings that the grace of Jesus shines brightest. So today, if you're feeling the weight of your imperfections, if you're weary from trying to measure up to a, an impossible standard, I want to extend an invitation to you. It's an invitation to experience the transforming grace of Jesus. An invitation to lay down your burdens and to find rest in His perfect love. Never made the decision to follow Jesus. If you have never experienced the freedom and the hope that comes from His grace, look, I encourage you. Take that step today. Maybe you're already walking with Christ. Maybe you've been doing so since you were an eight, nine, ten, eleven year old. But you still find yourself burdened by this pursuit of perfection. Let this time be a moment of renewal. A moment to, to embrace His grace afresh. Moments we're going to sing to Him, Living for Jesus. You know, it's a song that, that reflects the commitment to live in light of His glory and his grace. So as we sing, I'm going to be standing down, right? Ready to receive anyone maybe that has a decision to make. Whether it's a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or to rededicate your life to him or to take any step of faith, know that you are not alone. Jesus is with you. I'm here to pray with you, to support you, to, to celebrate this significant moment in your journey. We as a church come together to embrace one another, to encourage one another in this walk of God's glory and grace. Maybe you just want to come up and pray. Come up front if you want. Pray where you're sitting. Maybe you're just not ready to come forward. In. You know, it's all right. In your bulletin, we have the connection card there on that tab. In part, it's for visitors. But also, you can just fill that out and share any decision that you, you might have or any prayer requests. You can drop it off in the offering plate as you leave, or you can hand it to me. We'll connect with you, to pray with you, support you in any way that we can. But as we close, I want us to hold on to this truth, cling to this truth, that in Christ, we find the fullness of grace, a grace that covers our imperfections and empowers us to live for him. So let us step into the hope and freedom that Jesus offers, not living for our own perfection, but for his. 
Would you pray with me? Oh, definitely, Father God. In the stillness of this moment, right where we are, God, we pause to thank you for the boundless grace that you have poured into our lives. Oh, we are in awe of your holiness. God, we acknowledge our own imperfections. But yet in your mercy, God, you meet us <laughs> not where we're supposed to be, not even where we should be, but you meet us where we are, offering forgiveness and hope. Lord, as we reflect on your law and our need for your grace, God, I just, oh, pray that you would soften our Help us to embrace the gift of your son, Jesus, who fulfilled the law on our behalf. And God, may we find rest in his perfect love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. As our session draws to a close, we hope that Pastor Adam Burton's insights on the Holy Standard have illuminated your path. Today, we've ventured through the depths of God's commandments confronting the beauty of His holiness and the reality of our human frailty. This sermon has been a call to view God's laws not as burdens, but as beacons, guiding us to His grace amidst our imperfections. If your spirit has been moved, if you feel the weight of striving for an unattainable perfection, remember that Jesus' grace is sufficient and His love is complete. For further reflection and resources, or to take a step closer in your faith journey, visit cbcmaysville.com. Embrace the grace that Pastor Adam has spoken of and let it transform your walk with faith. Until we meet again, carry with you the message of today's sermon. In our imperfections, God's grace shines brightest. And as you go forth into the world, keep the faith, for it is the cornerstone of our lives in Christ.